0: Well, this morning, I have a question for you to consider and to ask yourself, and it's simply this, what do you need most in your life right now? I mean, really think about it. What do you believe that you need most in your life right now? And and get specific, seriously. Like maybe for you, you feel like what you need most right now is, I need a higher paying job because my electric bill this summer was wild. Or maybe you're like, I need a new car because my car barely made it here. Like, what is it? I would tell you, for me, I'm living, maybe you're like me, I'm like, I need to sell my house in the worst market in 26 years. Come on, right, maybe that's you. Maybe for you it's, I need a stress-free environment at work or at home. Maybe you need good news from your doctor at your next visit. Maybe you need a vacation. Maybe you need more hours in the day to get everything that you need to get done, done. Or maybe you're, you would say this morning, I'm actually in what I need most right now. Because what I need is some quiet, and my kids are over there. <laughs> what do you believe that you need most right now? And as you consider that, we will see why I want us to think through that, because this morning as we continue to walk as a church through the book of Acts, the story of the birth and the explosion of the church into the world, we're going to encounter a man this morning who has some very specific needs, major needs that have defined his life. But we're going to see this morning that what he receives from God is not what he expected, but it was actually something far greater. So if you have a Bible this morning, would you turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 3? Feel free to use your table of contents to get there. And again, this morning, if you do not have a copy, your own copy of the Bible in a, in a version that you can easily understand and read, we would love to send you home with one today. You can grab one at the Welcome Center on your way out. So as you turn to chapter 3, I want us to read the first 10 verses together as a church. Starting in verse 1, here's what it says. One day, Peter and John, these are two of Jesus' disciples, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at all that had happened to him. Now, this is an incredible story and encounter that we see here in the book of Acts, and I believe this morning that we, you and I as a church, can learn just as much from this man's experience as we can from what Peter and John do and how they respond, So immediately we see that Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, are headed to the temple in Jerusalem in the the middle of the afternoon. They have been visiting this temple every single day to reason and teach the Jewish people that the Messiah you've waited on your entire life has come. He's Jesus. Believe in him. He's already come. And so as they're on their way to this temple, they come across a man who's begging And we're told that he has been disabled from birth. So for most or all of his life, he has been dependent on other people. On either other people for help, to move him, or for money. He's been begging for most of his life. And he's set up outside one of the entrances to the temple known as the beautiful gate. And you can already picture this scene, right? Right? He is there trying to get attention or any sort of pity from people who are walking into the temple on their way to worship God. And he's trying to get their attention. And As you can imagine, he most likely is often ignored by people because they're busy, they're distracted, they're praying, they're having a conversation. There's this beautiful, magnificent gate and temple in front of them, and they don't see him at all. And if he can ever get anyone's attention, at most, they probably just toss him a few coins out of pity. But let's look at the reaction of Peter and John again. In verse 3, it says that when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the men gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now, I love this. I love this encounter because Peter and John have a very important mission. They are literally on their way to tell people about what Jesus has done for the first time. This is brand new information to the world. So they are busy. There are things they must do. It's important. And yet on their way, they don't ignore this man. They see him. Enough that it says that they stop and they, they call out to him and say, hey, look at us. I want to look you in the eyes. I want to see you in this moment. And he's not ignored. This man who's been ignored by so many people who are on their way to worship God, Peter and John, stop. They say, hey, we see you. And before we move on to what happens next, I think there's so much we can learn from their response to him. And I think it really leads us to ask ourselves this really important question this morning. And it's this, do you see the people around you? Do you see the people around you? In the same way God put this man in Peter and John's path, God puts people in your path every single day. Do you see them? I think one of the reasons we do not see the people around us is because we're so busy right? We're focused. We're on a mission. There are things that we have to do and accomplish. We have a never-ending list of things we need to do. And in many ways, we are like the people walking into the temple, failing to see the people beside us in need. Or if you ever do decide, hey, you ever see somebody with need in your life, sometimes we don't feel like we have the time to stop. We can't stop what we're doing, or we don't like interruptions. Because you're busy, you are. You've got a life and a job and responsibilities and bills and kids, and everything in your life is calling and vying for your attention. and we don't like to stop, and we don't like to be distracted or value interruptions. And I know what that's like. I tell my kids all the time, "I am a magician." They go, what do you mean? I said, because I know that if I ever sit on our couch and I open a book, one of you will magically appear, (laughs) needing something from me. But it's true. Everything wants your time and your attention and we don't value or or take time for interruptions. But I believe that Jesus was the perfect example of someone who saw people and welcomed interruptions. I mean, can you imagine how many people wanted Jesus' attention? He was performing miracles. He was healing people. He was an incredible teacher. He was the Messiah himself walking the earth. Everyone wanted his time and his attention, yet he always saw people who were right in front of him. In the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' life, we're told that there's a moment where Jesus is teaching in a home, and it's packed to the brim full of people. And as he's teaching them, it says that a group of people rip a hole in the roof, and they lower a paralyzed man down in front of him. I mean, on first glance, it's kind of rude, right? I mean, you can imagine how you or I would have responded like, hey, like I'm doing something here. Can't you see what's taking place? I'm busy. I'm doing something important. But we see Jesus' response as he looks at this man lowered in front of him, and he simply says, son, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and walk. He wasn't upset. He wasn't frustrated. He said, hey, I see you and your need. All throughout Jesus' life, there are children who want to come be near him. And the disciples, so many times, they're like bouncers. They're they're keeping the kids away because they're saying, you're children, you're children. This is the most important man who's ever lived. Like, he doesn't have time for you. You know how many people want his time and attention right now? And so they keep them away, but Jesus tells them, hey, let the kids come to me. I see them. They're not an interruption. They have my time. And so Jesus always saw the people around him, and he welcomed interruptions. And so it's important for us to ask, do we? Do we see the people around us? I think one of the reasons why we do not see the people around us is because we often think that people in need always look a certain way, that they always look a certain way. There are many people in our community and in this community with physical needs, many like the man we just read about, Or who are in physical poverty and need help. But so often, if we do say, hey, I'm willing to help or I'm willing to see these people, we often only look for people with physical needs. And we only look for those who are in physical poverty. And I want you to know this morning that there are hundreds of people that God puts in your path that don't have physical poverty, they're in spiritual poverty. They're suffering from broken relationships with each other, with themselves, and ultimately with God. That they may look fine on the outside. They may not be hungry. They may have a house and a car and uh, toys and all the things that you may want. But on the inside, they are lacking the hope and the peace that can only come from Jesus. They have immense need. Do we see them? Do you recognize them? The people who need the help around you. People who simply may need someone to stop and ask them a question, to listen to them. Someone who just may need someone to stop and say, hey, I see you. And so often people often miss what they believe they need most. I think another reason why we don't see the people around us is we often don't see that God has put you where you are for a purpose. Listen, you may not like your job, You may not like your neighborhood or your home. You may not like your workplace or your school or your family. But I want you to know this morning that God has placed you there for a purpose. That doesn't mean that you can never move. That doesn't mean you can't look for another job. But it means we should begin to ask, why am I here? And to realize God's put me here in this place and around these people for a purpose and to have an impact. And your life will change if you begin to walk through life with that filter and that lens saying, okay, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why I'm here, but I want to begin to discover why God has put me here. What does he want me to do? Why has he placed me here? What is he trying to do in me? So do you see the people around you? It's a really important question for us to ask. Let's see what happens next in the story of Peter and John. They see this man, they, make, they connect with him, they look him in the eyes, and this man is expecting to get money from them. And in his mind, he's thinking, one of the things I need most in my life is I need money. But look at the response in verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. This always reminds me that when I was in college, I attended a church that had massive swings in attendance based on the time of the year. Because when school was in session, our church grew by several hundred people, college students who were in town. But when school was out of session, they all went home and the church shrunk by several hundred people. And the pastor would always say, hey, when school's in session, we grow by hundreds of people but our weekly offering only goes up by about $80. (laughs) He said, you know why? It's because college students are broke, (laughs) which is true. And he would always tell this story, and I'm not even sure if it was true, but he would always tell this story where he said that one day they passed the offering basket, and when they collected the money and they were going through it, that inside they found a small package that was wrapped and on the outside was written this verse that said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. And he said, as they opened it inside, they found a sausage McMuffin from McDonald's. It's like, hey, I don't, got any, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, here you go, right? This is my offering to you, God. It's a funny story, but I think it really should lead us to question and ask ourselves this really important question. What has God given you? What has God given you? You may not feel like he's given you much, but here's what I know is true. You have been blessed. You have been blessed. You may not like your blessings. You may envy and want other blessings, but you have been blessed. Begin to consider and ask yourself, what are they? God has always worked this way. God has always chosen to bless his people so that they would be a blessing to the world and the people around them. And that through that process and that generosity, that the world and those who don't know him would see and worship their God. Wow, what leads you to be so generous and giving? Man, who do you serve? What leads you to act in this way. And God wants the same for you and for me. He wants us to use what he's given us. So what has he given you? I mean, think about it. Drill down all the way. Maybe it's an ability. Maybe it's a talent. Maybe it's something in your career that you possess the ability that you could leverage to help other people that you've never really thought about that. Maybe there's something you're good at, you're capable at, that you can actually, if you thought about it and got creative enough, you could use to love, lead, and help the people around you. How have you been blessed? Maybe it's your education. Maybe it's knowledge that you have that you can share or help people in need around you. Think about it. Maybe you are just, what you're gifted with and what you're blessed with is just health and you have physical strength, and you're just healthy. And maybe you can use that to show up and to help people who are not. Maybe someone who's sick, or the elderly, or they just need help cutting their grass, or getting groceries, whatever it may be, some chores. How have you been blessed? Maybe you just are blessed with compassion and empathy. You've got a big heart, and there are people around you who just need someone to listen, need someone to say, hey, I see you, how is that going? Tell me about your life. Maybe you're just, you have some time on your hands and some availability. And maybe for you, what it looks like is showing up in next-gen ministry, showing up in front of students and children who need a positive influence, who need someone to show up to say, hey, I see you, and I'm here for you, and I love you, and I'm here to help you to see who Jesus is. There are always people around you who need someone to stop and to see them. Or maybe this morning you may recognize that you, silver and gold you do have. And maybe you feel like you don't have a lot because no one ever feels like they have enough. But maybe you would begin to recognize this morning that you have more than you need. And you can begin to help and leverage that in ways even small to help meet the needs of those around you. How has God blessed you? What has God given you? Think about it, get creative, And know this, that more than anything, what God has blessed you with is the hope of Jesus that you carry to the world around you. That what people need more than anything, more than money, more than help, more than someone to listen, what people need most is the hope and the peace that can only be found in Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you carry that with you. How does God want you to use and leverage that? There's a never-ending list of ways you're blessed. How can you use those things? After this interaction and the healing of this man, look at what happens next. Verse 11, it says, when this man, While this man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? Peter is telling them, we did not make this man walk. We did not do this. He goes on to have this beautiful telling of the gospel where he says, listen, God the Father sent us Jesus. He lived a perfect life, but you killed him. But he didn't stay dead. After three days, he came back to life. And if you believed in him, you could receive forgiveness from God and you can receive peace. And in verse 16, he says this, by the faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see, And no was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. These people are so eager to give Peter and John credit. They see this man they've seen for so many years suddenly healed, hanging on to Peter and John, and they come and they say, that's incredible. How did you do this? What did you do? And yet Peter and John are so quick to divert the praise back to God. Don't think that we did this for a second. God did this. And they're so quick to give him all the glory. So my question for you and me this morning to consider is this. Who gets the credit in your life? Who gets the credit in your life? When people look at your life, when they see your accomplishments, your successes, your victories, the things that you do and how you live your life, who do they see as the hero of your life and your story. I was recently reading about a group of American pastors in the 1880s who took a trip to London because they wanted to go learn and hear some of the great English preachers of the day. It says on the first Sunday they were there, they went to London and they went to go listen and hear a famous preacher who pastored a church of about three to 4,000 people. This is as they listened to him preach as the service ended and they were leaving they were talking to each other sharing what they heard and what they were saying to one another was this what a great preacher he is and what a great communicator of God's good news says that the next Sunday they went to another church they went to a church called the Metropolitan Tabernacle to hear a preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon and his church was even larger so as they listened to him preach that morning, and as they were leaving and they were talking to one another, the words they were saying to one another were different. And what they were saying to one another was, what a great Savior we have in Jesus. How good is our God? Because their attention was not drawn to his ability. Their attention was drawn to Jesus. And his preaching and his gifting was simply pointing them to Jesus, And I want that to be true of my preaching, but even more so, I want that to be true of my life. I want people, when they look at me in my life or they hear about my story, that they do not see me as the hero, that they don't think, man, that person's capable and smart and fearless and, and all of these things. I want, them to see, I want them to see Jesus, someone who is dependent on him, He does that because of what Jesus has done in him. He is generous because he has been given so much by God. He struggles with worry, but man, he can be fearless because he has hope and peace in Jesus. So when people see your life, what do they see? Do they see someone who's incredible? Do they see giftedness? Do they see someone who's powerful, capable, strong, or fearless? Or do they say, wow, what has Jesus, look at what Jesus has done in them. They are so generous because of what Jesus has given them. They are fearless because they have hope and peace in Jesus. They are so gifted, but they are giving all of that credit to God. So when you share stories, accomplishments, victories, even the hardships and the difficult times, as you share things about your life, do people hear and see Jesus? coming out throughout your story. Do you let people know why you do the things that you do? You and I have such an opportunity to share our faith by simply telling people and sharing with them, here's why I do what I do. Here's who, why I am the way I am. I'm not just smart, I'm not just really strong and resilient, I need Jesus. And he has carried me through the unthinkable. Is Jesus the hero of your story, and do you give him the credit in your life? Ultimately, there's a lot I believe we can learn from Peter and John. We should see the people around us. We should acknowledge what God has given us, and we should use those to help and love and lead other people, and we should always give credit back to God. But I also believe that we can learn from the experience of this man we read about this morning. He has some real needs that have shaped his life, but I believe that we often miss what we need most. And I want us to go back to the question this morning. What do you need most in your life right now? What do you believe that you need most in your life right now? And I just simply want you to begin to question, do you really need that thing? Do you really need that new job? Do you really need that promotion? Do you need that new car? Do you need that new thing? Listen, you might. You might need it. But what I know for sure is that what God wants for you is something greater. That what God wants for you to experience is contentment. It's different. It's deeper. It's greater. This last week in our Rooted study, I came across this funny saying, and maybe you read it too if you're going through Rooted with us. It simply posed this question and said, Who is happier, the man with five kids or the man with five million dollars? And it said that the man with five kids is happier because he doesn't want any (laughs) more. He is content. As funny as that is, I really do believe that as you begin to wonder, what do I need most in my life right now? Maybe what God wants for you is contentment. That doesn't mean you shouldn't move or look for a new job, but in the midst of all of those things, maybe God wants you to trust him and experience something deeper like contentment. Maybe if you really thought and you prayed about it, you would begin to recognize that what you need most in life right now is peace. And joy, that isn't dependent on your circumstances, that you would experience freedom from worry and anxiety, not because the thing you're hoping goes your way happens, but in spite of it, that regardless of the way it goes, that you would experience peace that's dependent on Jesus, not on what happens to you or not on what happens out there. Maybe the thing that you need and you feel like, I need this to happen and hurry up already, but in the midst of it, what God wants you to experience is patience. I am living this out right now. We're in the midst of trying to move to Northwest Houston to start a new church, and a major domino that needs to fall is my house needs to sell. I'm like, okay, God, what's happening here? But in the midst of it, it's a very real need, but I'm beginning to recognize, man, what God really wants for me, what I need most is not for the market to go my way. What I need most is to trust God that the God who has brought me here to this point is taking care of me, and he will continue to. And he can do whatever he wants, but what God really wants is to do something in me. And He wants me to experience peace and patience and trust. And maybe for you, that's what God wants for you today, to experience trust, maybe forgiveness, maybe real community and connection with other people, or maybe to simply be dependent on him. Or maybe this morning you would recognize, I've got lots of needs, but I'm beginning to recognize that what I need most is a relationship with Jesus. As I talk about peace and hope and contentment, that those are things that you've never really experienced that can only come from a relationship with Jesus. And maybe this morning you would recognize, I do not have that. Because listen, you can get money. It can show up in your bank account. You can get that job. You can pay those bills. You can get that opportunity or get that good diagnosis from the doctor. But at the end of the day, all of those things are temporary. They're temporary. And nothing will ever compare to the life-changing peace and hope that can only come from knowing Jesus. And if you do not know him, I want you to begin to reach out to God this morning as you recognize that. In a few moments, I want to give you some time to acknowledge what you're feeling and to pray to God. To say to to him, Jesus, I need you. I need you more than all of these things. What I need most is I need peace. I need hope. I need forgiveness. And I need you to come into my life and to change me. To grant me peace is not dependent on what happens around me or happens to me. And so here's what I want to do for these next few moments. I just want to give everyone in the room some time to pray and to pray for yourself. If you do not know Jesus, would you use this time to invite him to acknowledge what you're feeling? And if you do know Jesus, I want you to spend these next few moments of prayer by bringing this question to God. What do you need most in your life right now? And so for these next few moments, take it to him. Ask him. Let him show you what it is that you really need. It might be multiple things. And ask God, why are you doing this? What are you trying to teach me? And what are you trying to do in me? So for these next few moments, just take them and take these things to our Father. As you continue to pray, I want you to also bring these questions to God. Do you see the people around you? Ask him to help you to see the people he's put in your path. Next, I want you to pray through this question. What has God given you? Ask him to show you, to show you how you can use and leverage what he has given you. I want you to pray through this question. Who gets the credit in your life? Are you dependent on God? Do other people see him in your story and how you live your life? Are you humble and directing credit to him? Ask God to help you. Father, I thank you that you see us. God, as we are so busy and we fail to see people around us, God, I'm thankful that you see us. You know our needs. You know what we're experiencing. You know the worries on our heart. Father, help us to trust you. And God, when we begin to bring our worries to you and say, God, what are you doing in my life? What do you really want me to understand and to see? What do I really need most? God, help us to be people dependent on you, people who use our gifts to help those around us, and God, people who always give you the credit for what you've done in our lives. Father, we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name.